Welcome to our Monday morning chapel. Please join me in the prayer for the week that you will find printed in the bulletin. Grant, we beseech you, Almighty God, that we who have celebrated the solemnities of the Lord's resurrection may, by the help of your grace, bring forth the fruits thereof in our life and conduct. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one true God, now and forever. Amen. Scripture reading for our consideration today is taken from John chapter 20, verses 21 through 23. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would now strengthen our faith through them. Amen. In October of 1945, on one of the islands in the Philippines, all of a sudden some airplanes, airplanes started flying over the island, 
dropping pamphlets, thousands, tens of thousands of pamphlets. And when people grabbed them, they saw uh, on them were, were black and white photos that had been printed of a Japanese family with some Japanese wording on there. So this was October of 1945. One month earlier in September of 1945, the armistice, the, the statement of peace between Japan and the United States had just been signed one month earlier. And apparently there was a group of soldiers that uh, had not heard yet about the end of the war, who thought the war was still ongoing, who were on, the, on one of these islands in the Philippines. And it turned out that actually uh, there was one in particular, a commander, a lieutenant, his name was Hiru Onoda, and Hiru Onoda thought that the war was still ongoing and refused to leave his post until his own commander would come and tell him to do so. So these pamphlets were an attempt to show him, and they were his own family members, pictures of his own family members trying to convince him that the war was over, but he refused to believe. And um, finally, 29 years later, when I was a sophomore in high school, Finally, somebody went over to the island, a reporter from Japan, because this man was still expecting there was an enemy. He was still living under the idea that there was someone who was fighting against him. And a reporter went to find him to try to convince him, and he refused to go. And so they went back to Japan and found his commander, who was now well-retired, up in his 80s. And they flew him over and took him out to the man and finally convinced him. After 29 years, he'd been living all that time with this imaginary enemy. There are many people in this world who live that way regarding God. They have imagined and they continue to imagine that there is a war going on between themselves and God. And we don't win that war if that's truly a war. The almighty, all-powerful, all-holy and just God that, that he could look at us and all of our weakness and sin and everything. There are many people in this world, sometimes even Christians, who live with this sense that we still have this enemy between us and God. You know, when, when someone, when we hear a story about somebody who's really bad and really evil and does something, let's say, horrible things to children or something, and maybe somehow they get away with it, never get caught, or, or maybe they commit suicide or whatever, there's often a sense in us that, well, we know they're going to get their comeuppance someday from God. We know that there's, there's a, a God of justice out there, and in the end, this is finally going to be taken care of. Even if our courts and police system and all of that never finds that individual, it will finally get taken care of. That same sense of justice in us that feels that way, rightly so, about that type of evil and crime can turn inside of us and look at ourselves and look at our own guilt and our own wickedness and the things that we've done. And maybe we can deny that sometimes, but if we're really honest and looking at ourselves in, in, in the view of God's law, that can be a very fearful thing can be a very frightening thing. I remember even as a child, I told a big lie to my parents, and it stayed with me for years. Just that sense of fear that I had about that. I've had members of congregations I've served who have up in years, when they're up in their 70s and 80s, 
Um, start thinking back to things they did when they were your age or even younger. And uh, sometimes sexual sins and things like that where they really cross boundaries and lines. Things that the, at the time didn't trouble them in their life, but, but man, later on they could just feel that sense and, and of, of guilt rising up in a different way. And um, it's easy at that time to imagine God as this enemy of ours who is such a pursuer of unholiness that we know is inside of us. You know, I think in this setting of the text that we have in front of us, here stands Peter. Just think of Peter, what was going on in, possibly in his mind and heart. Just think what he had done to Jesus just a few days earlier. The bold promises that he had made about, oh, I'm never going to deny you. And then he called down curses that he would go to hell if he knew Jesus just hours after that. And Christ knew it all. And here now Jesus enters the room and begins speaking to these disciples. I, I often wonder, was Peter hiding back behind a few others? Did he, you don't get the sense he spoke up and talked in this situation the way he so often did? Maybe did he have difficulty looking at Jesus right in the eye, knowing what kind of stuff that he had done? The primary benefit of our Lord's resurrection is the establishment of peace between wicked people like us and Peter and all these others I've mentioned and a holy God of justice. The reality of Jesus' resurrection is now the foundational piece to this changed relationship between sinful people like us and this holy God. Listen to a, a great commentator in the Lutheran Church, Johann Gerhard. He says this, your sins may cry out loud to heaven, but the blood of Christ calls out even more strongly and his voice of grace drowns out all other sounds in the ear of his Father in heaven. Think of the, think of the timing of this text. This takes place right on that Easter day when Christ rises from the dead. This is the first moments that he's talking to his disciples. It's interesting to think back to Maundy Thursday, Okay, just a few days earlier, the last thing that Jesus does with his disciples before he goes off to be captured and crucified, the last thing he does is to establish a sacred meal, the Holy Supper, for the reassurance to sinful people, even his own disciples, of the forgiveness from God. And now, what does he do here? The first thing that he says to them when he comes off of his resurrection to speak to them, peace be with you. Peace be with you. He gets right to the issue. He gets right to the main point of the entire Christian faith. He gets right to the heart of the thing that you and I need most. Peace between you, our wickedness, and this holy God because his death has accomplished this and God has approved of it by his resurrection. There is no other issue greater than this. This is what the entire Christian faith is based around. As Dr. Walther says, Christ has established a peculiar office, and really that's the only thing the pastors are supposed to do, is to declare to people that there is peace between them and God. And so this wonderful work that he has done for us is complete. And so the benefit of this has to now go out immediately into the world. And so Jesus comes to his disciples and, and establishes this apostolic charge for them to go out and to bring this wonderful truth into the world. 
that peace has already been established between sinners like us and a holy God. The resurrection not only signifies that Christ really is the Son of God, it not only gives you a future promise of your physical resurrection from the dead, but it is the boldest declaration from God that absolute peace now exists between you and him. And so don't be like that Japanese soldier. Don't continue to live in fear, running away from an enemy, God, when there's no animosity that really exists. Read the leaflets of his holy word that he has dropped into your lap, expressing his truth to you time and time again that the war is over. Listen to the messenger who has come personally to deliver that to you in word and sacrament, speaking to you the wonderful message of the church that the war is over. May this wonderful Easter legacy that our Lord has established continue to reach you in your ears and on your tongue and in your heart. Amen. Please rise for prayer. <clears throat> Grant me grace, O blessed Savior, and thy Holy Spirit send, that my walk and my behavior may be pleasing to the end, that I may not fall again into death's grim pit and pain, whence by grace thou hast retrieved me, and from which thou hast relieved me. Amen.
Now may the God of your baptism, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, bless and preserve you. Go in God's peace. Amen.